Welcome to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host, Umbreen Khan. Each week, we explore the beliefs that shape our world. This month, food pantries and faith-based groups are busily preparing holiday baskets, and they're working overtime to keep food pantry shelves stocked. We are on average serving in a week what we used to do in a whole month. That's Ken Flemmer. He's director of the Adventist Community Services in Greater Washington. We'll hear from him a little later in the program. But his observations of demand are echoed by Feeding America, a national network of 200-plus food pantries around the country. They note that the demand is high right now. In 2020, more than 38 million people, including 12 million children in the United States, well, they're food insecure. The ecosystem of organizations and networks looking at hunger includes those concerned about another related issue, food waste. It's estimated that 10 billion pounds of produce grown around the country will never be harvested. That's according to the Association of Gleaning Organizations. Now, if you've never heard of gleaning, you're not alone. It's a pre-modern biblical practice. Last year, in the height of the pandemic, producer Kimberly Winston trekked out to a farm near Heldsburg in Northern California to pick persimmons and learn more about this ancient ritual, which is where we begin this week's episode. It's one of those crystal blue fall mornings that come to the Sonoma Valley. The sun climbs over the ridge of dusty mountains to the east, birds flit through the dormant grapevines, and a band of nine masked people descend on a backyard orchard snugged up to a dry creek bed. They are volunteers with Sonoma County Gleaners, a local organization that picks fruit and vegetables from nearby farms, orchards, and private homes like this one after the harvest has been hauled away. Today, the bounty consists of a few green figs and a whole lot of orange-skinned persimmons hanging high and low on a pair of trees. The crew of eight women and one man have brought fruit pickers, long sticks with baskets and tines for grabbing, and plunk the persimmons into rainbow-colored plastic bags with crates inside them. Come on, let me get these big babies here. I'm getting stuck in all the branches. Come on. Don't be shy. Come to Mama. I got one of them. It is the most basic of manual labor, but it is also one of the most ancient forms of charity. The Torah, the New Testament, and the Quran all mandate gleaning as a way to live out their shared commandment to care for the poor. And while the Sonoma group is not faith-based, its roster of volunteers includes people of many faiths and none at all. Eileen O'Farrell, who has gleaned for 30 years, maps her spiritual connection to gleaning. Nature is God. It's not that I'm a-religious, I'm just not connected to an organized religion. It's my own. (laughs) And if nature is God, then how does this fit in with your idea of that? Nature provides. We need to help nature distribute things. (laughs) 
The Sonoma County gleaners share what they gather with local food banks, including some church-based ones in nearby towns. But there are gleaning groups like theirs all over the United States and around the world. I run an organization called the Association of Gleaning Organizations. We're a relatively young organization, and we were founded by gleaners all across the country who wanted to collaborate and work more closely with each other. That's Sean Peterson, whose Salt Lake City-based organization counts about 180 gleaning groups in the United States and Canada. He tells me that the problem of food waste spans the entire farm-to-table chain, from less-than-perfect fruits and veggies that get plowed under to unpurchased grocery store produce that gets tossed out. There's a tremendous amount of food that never leaves the fields. It's the largest source of food waste in the U.S. outside of homes. We often think about all the food that doesn't get eaten in buffet lines or at grocery stores or things like that, but far more food never leaves the farm than anywhere else except for the food that we waste in our own homes. The numbers, when I look them up, take my breath away. According to a study conducted at Santa Clara University in 2019, one-third of all produce never leaves the farm but gets plowed under or otherwise disposed of. And that's where gleaners, like those in Sean's organization, come in. I was on a, a green with an organization in Indiana this summer. I have a lot of family in Indiana and it's privileged to be there to, to do some work with this cucumber grower. And the cucumber grower, I was just speaking to her in the field. So if you don't know, cucumbers are harvested by big machines and they come in with these big tractors and harvest them. And it throws all of them into a bin. And any of them that are too big or too small, for in this case for pickles, get thrown out of the bin and just thrown back into the field. And, and she was talking about how when she first started growing cucumbers a few years ago, she was just sickened by the amount of waste that was happening in the fields and, and no idea what to do. I personally picked up like over a thousand pounds of cucumbers in like four hours. There was another 30 or 40 gleaners in that field with me. And she had no idea what to do with it. And to be able to think of all her hard work going to waste, you know, a whole seasons of labor just rotting now in the field, and then thinking of all the people who she knew in her community who were going hungry, and it just sickened her. And now, you know, every year, um, this organization, a chapter of Society of St. Andrews, comes through and, and picks those cucumbers, and they go out to all sorts of people in Indiana, and it's great. That group Sean mentioned, the Society of St. Andrew, is another national gleaning organization, but it is one that is rooted in faith. It was started by two Methodist ministers and their families who were part of the Back to the Land movement in the 1960s and 70s. In 1983, the ministers were preaching at a church on Virginia's eastern shore. Lynette Johnson, the executive director of the Society of St. Andrew, picks up the story. There's a lot of potatoes grown there, and they were talking about the potato fields around them and said, if we went out into any of these potato fields and started digging, we would find thousands of pounds of potatoes left unharvested under the level that the mechanical harvesters have reached. And a farmer who was in the, the service that morning took offense and said, no, there, there's no, no food left in my fields. I know I've gotten it all. So they said, well, let's go take a look. And so after worship was over, everyone put on their grubby clothes and rolled up their sleeves and went out and started digging and sure enough found thousands of pounds of potatoes. And within about a week or two of that time, they got a call from another farmer who happened to have been involved that morning who said, if I had 16,000 pounds of potatoes that I was willing to give to feed hungry people, 
could you find a way to do it? The long and short of it is, within a month of that time, Society of St. Andrew, which was the name of the the group of two families living together and and sharing all things in common, had distributed a quarter million pounds of potatoes from those farmers on the eastern shore and quickly realized that that was what they were being called to do. And that's what we've been about ever since. And tell me why it's St. Andrew. In the New Testament, in John's telling of the story of the feeding of the 5,000, Andrew is the disciple who brings the boy to Jesus with loaves and fish. So nobody in the crowd thinks that's much food. Not even the disciple thinks that's much food, but with with Jesus, that's multiplied and, and feeds thousands. And so we are all about finding little bits of food that, that maybe other people don't see as being very useful, and then um, getting that food and, and seeing it multiplied uh, as it feeds so many people. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be left for the alien, the orphan, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all your undertakings. In Islam, gleaning is tied to the practice of zakat, the giving of alms to the poor, one of the five pillars of the faith. He is the one who established gardens, Eat from their fruits and give the due alms on the day of harvest and do not waste anything. He does not love the wasters. I would say that 90% of our volunteers are coming to us through their congregation or because of their faith. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not something we require, but it opens doors for us when we move into new areas as we expand our volunteer network because every faith, not just the Christian faith, But every faith has a command to care for the less fortunate. And so it's easy to call a congregation of any faith and say, hey, remember that thing that that your scripture tells you to do. You can come and do that with us. But there are benefits beyond fulfilling a religious obligation, Johnson says. So many of our folks who glean have never seen food growing before. They've never been involved in the farm and food system before in that way. And so to see how hard that work is to glean for a few hours and then think about farm workers who are doing that day after day, 11, 12 hours a day, um, helps them become advocates for people who are working on farms throughout the country. And then it also helps them meet meet farmers in their area and then realize how important the farming economy is. Um, And a lot of those folks who glean with us will start shopping at local farmers markets so that they can patronize local farms directly and be sure that their dollars are staying there in the community to help farmers. And that's another great benefit. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that in some ways, gleaning is an activity that can also build compassion. Absolutely. Mm. Build compassion and community, I think. That was certainly my experience picking persimmons. The fruit picker I borrowed from my next-door neighbor was heavy, and the fruits always seemed to glow just beyond my reach, great orange blobs against the blue sky. My crate was less than half full before I found myself saying, this is hard work. It made me more mindful of the workers I had seen on the way to the glean who were tending vines in the nearby vineyards. Jane Penites is 73 and has been gleaning for five years. She is also not religious, but gets a sense of well-being from gleaning. I like being outside. I like people. I like uh, giving back something, mm-hmm. helping in some way. Well, it does feel good to me in my heart that I'm helping 
giving some, uh, you know, I have a real empathy for people who are food uh, undernourished. And uh, so it just feels good to help give back something. By now, my crate is finally getting full, and so are the crates of the other gleaners. Danny Wilcox, the founder of Sonoma County Gleaners, is gathering four or five persimmons at a time with her fruit picker and stops to tally up the harvest. Danny, one more time. How many pounds? Four. 400 pounds. Wow. Wow. Of mm. persimmons. Mm. Um, how many pounds of figs, Eileen? 11 pounds of figs. And how many pomegranates? <laughs> <laughs> 11 minus <laughs> The gleaners pair up to carry the produce back to Danny's SUV, which is soon filled to the top. Then everyone says, see you next Thursday, when they will gather to glean again at another location. This year, they have picked kale, peppers, grapes, plums, tomatoes, and lots of citrus. After Danny shuts the door on her car, I follow her to a community food bank about 10 minutes away in the town of Windsor. The two of us unload, another new compassion-building activity for me. We sit in the shade of an oak tree for a socially distanced assessment of the day's work. It's really about using food that would go to waste and feeding people and They don't have to have anything to trade you for it. They don't have to have money. They don't have to have um, a service to offer you. They don't have to give you other produce or food in exchange. It's just a pure donation. You're helping someone who can't do it themselves. And then in turn, they feel good because they're not wasting something they, they intentionally planted. And it's going to someone who needs it who really, really needs it. I mean, so many people are really out of work right now and they can't afford to buy food. We should not waste our earth. You know, the earth should be nurturing and nourishment for all. And if there's extra, people should eat it. It is the moral thing to do. It's absolutely the moral thing to do. And it's an imperative that has gained urgency during this time of pandemic, according to Lynette Johnson of the Society of St. Andrew. As many as 54 million Americans, about one in six, face food insecurity now. So there's certainly the need, and the food is available. There's no reason that any person in this country should ever go hungry. And as folks who believe that we have a responsibility for our neighbors, this is a time more than any other that calls us to be looking for opportunities to serve them and to find food that will meet their needs. And if you need another reason to glean, there's this. As the country fights the coronavirus by closing indoor events, gleaning is something that is done outdoors and can involve the whole family. I know I'm already shopping for a fruit picker of my own. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Don't hit the reporter. That was producer Kimberly Winston picking persimmons with the Sonoma County Gleaners in Heldsburg, California. This year, the Society of St. Andrews gleaned nearly 47 million pounds of food for area food banks. To learn more about gleaning, visit this week's show notes for links at interfaithradio.org. While gleaners make an impact on hunger, they are but one part of this growing network of folks seeking to solve the problem of hunger in America. 
Coming up, we meet Ken Flemmer, head of the Adventist Community Services of Greater Washington, D.C. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. We'll be back after this short break. friends, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. 